to me, the law is meant to be a safe heaven, a reminder of culture, and a measure of good and evil. I've been waiting for this podcast for the longest of time, and for a minute, it felt like Rafiki's statement from The Lion King. Look beyond what you see. And the eagerness kept piling up. Behold, the law is here. By Melvin Kiyoko. I've got a feeling that this is definitely the place to be. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Lo and Behold podcast with me, Melvin and Iniesto. You know the vibes. Um, Iniesto is not there today, but we have an amazing guest. Uh, as you all know, we always try to do our best to get you the best uh, content and the best guests. So today we have none other than Dr. Munene Mugambi. We interviewed his brother, Victor Mugambi, uh, who it was the, one of the best podcasts we've recorded. And it's called, it's, if you want to listen to it, it's called the KSL, Kenya School of Law Experience. And you can find it in our bio. So you're welcome, Thank Dr. You Munene. Much. Thank you very you're much. Welcome. You can say hi yeah. to our our listeners. Ah, hello, audience. And our viewers now. <laughs> yes, uh, pleasure to meet all of you uh, virtually. My name is uh, Munene Mugambi. Um, I'm a scholar around matters of environment, climate. Uh-huh. And uh, I said I'm, a, I'm an enthusiast of life. What, what else can you're I a say? Life enthusiast. Yes. <laughs> okay. um, I enjoy. Moving up and down, traveling. I've spent, I think, half of my life traveling. traversing in, in and out Moving of Kenya. And, and I've noticed that in your family. So, Victor has traveled to Nigeria. Yes. And the States. Where, where have you traveled yourself? Okay, first, we moved to the States in, in the year 2002. Uh-huh. Yeah, my, 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 my mom uh, uh, was, was accorded a Fulbright scholarship yeah. to go study in the state of Maryland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think went you went to a public school. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think Victor told us you went to a public. Is it high school or school? Or? No, it was a uh, middle school. Middle school. That's uh, still primary school. Primary. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So him, he was in. He started at the third grade, uh -huh. which was class three. And uh, for me, I joined. Uh, I joined uh, during the seventh grade. Okay. Stream. Yeah. So we were taken to Baltimore City Public Schools. Uh huh. And that was. Yeah, the toughest year of our our first our first year in the United States. Why was it tough? Uh, it was tough because of number one uh, that cultural that culture shock. Culture shock. Cultural uh, transition from coming from a conservative kind of African environment yeah. to more of a liberal Western American environment. Where how, how liberal is it? I would say um, the point where even the relationship between adults and and, and young people, oh, there's yeah. not that respect. There's no that at you, Mr. Sir. Exactly. How are you doing? It's like they call you by the first name, yeah? Exactly. <laughs> and I used to find that to be very strange. Uh -huh. You know, you'd find even young people fighting adults, you know. It's a, hey. it's a bit of a chaotic <laughs> environment, but we try to oh, adapt around it. Okay. Yeah, we try to adapt around it, and, and we adapted, and... and we adopted the culture kidogo kidogo here and there. <laughs> but you, you don't have an accent. Uh, we had to scrap them off once we came back home. <laughs> you know, 
Oh, but Victor's a, Victor a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of the accent. It's international schools. <laughs> international schools. Exactly. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you, you, are, you said you were into environment and um, politics? Yeah, um, environment, environment uh, climate and environmental politics. Climate, yeah, okay. climate and environmental politics, even climate and environmental studies. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a scholar who is interested in matters of climate mitigation. Okay. In matters of even environmental mitigation. Okay. I know those two things can uh, be placed together in the same, in, in the same uh, realm, mm -hmm. but when I talk matters of environment, for example, we're mm -hmm. talking about even this Rungai where we are. Uh, we, are, we are sitting. Yeah, we are sitting right now. Right yeah. now, um, <laughs> these used to be rangelands, grazing lands for yeah. Maasai pastoralists. Yeah. And over time, as uh, governments changed, yeah. Also, the lands changed hands. Okay. See, to the point where now, when you are looking at pastoralists and you can see the tragedy that we are facing right now, yeah. That's the reality of climate change. Okay. Um, lands have become private. You can no longer negotiate grazing. Yeah. So if you cannot even negotiate access to pastures, okay. you cannot negotiate with climate. That, that's interesting. Yeah. But before even we go to the interesting um, questions, yes. now that you've gone into uh, all, all of it, yeah. I wanted, we usually ask random questions first so that the people can know you better. Yes. <laughs> okay, let me start by saying, I see you wearing a Muhammad, a Muhammad Ali yeah. Um, shirt. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Muhammad Ali? As we are in the uh, we are in the Black History Month, which is February. Yeah. So and I know he was a major icon. What yeah. What's your thoughts? Are you wearing it as a statement? I mean, you're just wearing it as a shirt. Uh, I'm wearing it as a statement because Muhammad Ali uh, was a cultural icon, mm -hmm. and most importantly, he was a civil rights activist. Yeah. Above boxing. Yeah. Very good record as a boxer, yeah. very entertaining as a boxer. But one very thing you should understand, yeah. when it comes to matters of civil rights, you cannot talk civil rights without talking about Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah. especially in the US. Because exactly. I think the first time he won a title, he went to a restaurant yeah. to get to celebrate. Yes. And then, the, and then I think the white woman told him that we don't serve niggas. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I don't know what he replied, but... He made an actual movement and he went on to meet Malcolm X. So yes. I also love him yes. as a boxer and a cultural icon. Yeah. Although we are from different faiths. Are you Muslim? No, no, no. I'm, oh, you're I'm, not a I'm Muslim. Catholic, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, so let me ask the first question. What do you think the meaning of life is? Um, as Munene, what do you think the meaning of life? It's a very complex question. But for me, the meaning of life is social. Social. Yeah. When I say social, I mean life without society means nothing, right? Okay. And life without the complex relationships that we have between even humans and the environment doesn't mean anything. Okay. Without these trees, without the people. So life is more than a nine to five. It's what is surrounding us. It's what is surrounding us. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So. That's a very deep, I am, I'm trying to understand it, but it's very yeah. deep. <laughs> so if money was not an object for you, Munene, yeah. what would you do? What would, what would you be doing right now? Oh, right now, if money was not an object, I love playing football. You love playing football, yeah, really? Yeah, I dreamt of becoming a professional footballer, but we always understand the circumstances. The older you get, you realize my talent bracket is no longer yeah, suited yeah, yeah, for yeah. sports. But I would love to play football because I, I feel like above it being one of the biggest sports in the world, 
uh, it unites people. It unites. By the speaking of which, like you were saying, life is a community, communal rather. Yes. I think football brings a lot of people together, and I saw it in the recent World Cup. Yes. You saw the people, the way they went out and cheering teams. I mean, yeah. football is amazing. I, I, I agree with you. Yes. So if money was not an object, you would be playing football. Yeah. Okay. And not because, because it's a passion of mine. It's your, yeah. it's your passion. Do yeah. you play football now? Oh, no, no, I've gotten. I think I've, you know, as, as time Am has I adopted books, you know, <laughs> I stopped being physically active. Now you're an academic. Yeah. <laughs> but I do jog and exercise a bit here and there, but now football is more of even watching. I'm even struggling to keep up. <laughs> okay, but what's your what's your team? Manchester United. Manchester United. Yes. That's yes. it. That's it. That's yes, it. Yes. If you're listening to us, you better be a Manchester United fan. <laughs> I'm joking. So, if you found out you are going to die tomorrow, mm -hmm. God forbid, mm -hmm. what would you do today? Uh, be as charitable as possible. Uh huh. Um, you know, we living in Kenya or living in Africa. Mm -hmm. I think when I, I'll always keep touching on the word social. Yeah. I think. One thing is that throughout time, we have lost that social aspect of what it means to be a collective society. Ah. We have lost it. So, for example, as the, the way you've asked the question, yeah. God forbid, right? Yeah. And let's say I, whatever resources I had, yeah. I just give it out, share it with people. Because I understand I cannot take this with me to the next life. True, right? true, true. Yeah. Yeah. So, in it, ukarim. Ukarim. Yeah, I'll, I, I, you know, then that's one thing I've said. I'll try to practice more is to be as charitable as possible. I love it. Yeah, because we can't take everything with us. I could yeah. have a billion today, and I won't finish it by the time I'm. But they, do you know if you have a billion? I don't know. It will take you how many years to finish it if you're spending like a million per day. Exactly. So I agree with you. We must all be charitable. Yes. And but then let me say a big shout out to the people supporting our podcast. They're really doing it from their hearts and they're part of the community. So shout out to you guys. Wonderful. Yeah. So the next question is, um, what, three, what three words best describe you if you're going to be asked? Social. Social. Talkative. Talkative. Uh, <laughs> you're a choleric, sanguine. Sorry? What's your temperament? My Do you know your temperament? temperament? Like anger levels or? No, not oh. anger levels. You <laughs> like your personality traits. My personality traits, yeah. Mostly I'm talkative and I, I number one, socialize. I imagine I can't stay in, a, in one place. You can't stay, so yeah, I guess you're sanguine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. I'm not so familiar with that, but yeah, I think that would be That's the, the word. Yeah. <laughs> you should check it out later. Yeah. So you said social, uh, talkative, what and else? Respectful. And respectful. Yeah. Yeah, but then thank you so much for honoring the invitation. Thank you very much. I know much. You're, a, you're a busy guy. You're you have a PhD and all. Hey, me, if I have a PhD, it will not be easy <laughs> to get me. But thank you so much for showing. Thank you for respecting us. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. You're welcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what is the meanest thing somebody has ever said to you? It could be a sibling. I know. I don't know if you guys argue as siblings. Ah, we do <laughs> all the time. You know, that's that's part of family. Yeah. I believe that every family must must face some of these challenges. Yeah, here yeah. And there. True. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think the the meanest thing. You know, you know, having lived in all these multicultural environments, yeah, there's so many things I've come across. You know, in America, yeah, yeah. Whether it's experiencing your first time having experience with racism, for example. Have you had an experience with racism? Oh yeah. I mean, I won't lie. Yeah. You know, it's uh, when you live in these Western countries or mm. 
multicultural societies particularly mm. discrimination is something that you come it's across to come. it's bound to come okay so I, you know i cannot point out to one particular thing because i've always taken everything as a collective to try and motivate me yeah like for example if i say if someone told me ah you won't travel anywhere mm-hmm. you won't go anywhere you stay here with us it motivates me to go back to my space uh-huh. rethink how i'm going to defeat this statement right yeah, yeah, yeah. what does it mean means i have to put more efforts on my applications yes. right be serious you see you need to be better exactly. in everything get grounded and then yeah. you prove these people wrong but i never live my life to try and pe- prove people wrong especially people who've been mean to me yeah. i never try to live my life like that but i use their statements to like to build yourself up exactly okay. anyone can be mean i can even leave the gate here and i ask for a tuk-tuk and, and the, the guy will be mean to exactly. you exactly we experience so, it every day okay yeah so i love it so you've experienced racism yes like how 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 was your first reaction like what what went through your mind you know at first you try it it hits you in the heart mm. you see and from my own perspective has always been not to despise the other person is yeah. to try and educate them yeah try and help them understand you know for most of these countries like even when i was in the us it was also a, a matter of culture shock yeah you know for some people who live there they have never uh, some people live in environments where they've hardly seen people of color yes so when they see people of color for the first time it's a bit confusing it's a bit for them it's confusing run, for them too yeah and they run on stereotypes of what they see in tv yeah like even when people used to call uh, they used to make fun of us for being african Oh you know you guys are you out there hunting lions chasing hunting lions, lions. So this is in true. public school they, they were saying that to you Exactly <laughs> So you you go home you cry about it but then once the kids become your friends once they visit your home once they meet your family and they realize even for them they have some soul searching they have to do Exactly so yeah. particularly some of my friends now I have friends who are going to be coming from the states in around Easter Okay We, we went to elementary school together And so they are friends now exactly. and they're coming to visit you. They're coming to visit me after all these years. They're like, "Yo, I want to come to Africa, bro." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I I told them, "Please, by all means, come. Yeah. I have a home. Yeah. Can stay there with me. I'll take you guys around." You see, so that it's about changing people's perspectives about cultures. Culture is supposed to be shared, not to be used to divide people. I love it. You see? So culture is supposed to be shared. Yeah. Despite whatever background you're coming from. Exactly. Okay. Not to divide people. Yeah, I love yeah. I love how you I love how you're positive and your view on things. Yeah. So, are you are you single? Yes, I'm very much single. You're very single. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay, well, maybe our listeners are listening to the social. You talked about social social social. Yeah. People want to know. Yeah. So you're single. Yeah. So have you gone on dates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say um Yeah, I've been dating, but you know now the only challenging part is I've focused too much on my career. So you are a career man. I, I want to avoid saying that because okay. I also want to have a family one day. Okay. And I wouldn't want my career to get in between me and raising fa- okay. a family. Yeah. So we are trying. We are okay. trying and I'm sure So yeah. So I get what you're saying, yeah. but my question is if you've gone on dates, what's the worst date you've gone to? Wow. That's <laughs> a very interesting question. Uh worst, worst. Hey, there was you, like I you went, went, you didn't expect something. Am I expecting something? Something came out different. I went on a date, and the other person was busy on the phone so much that we never had that opportunity to even have a decent conversation. Okay. And I always believe like when yeah, you go, that's I know exactly. 
and like they're on the phone throughout the whole yeah you know texting other people and you know apart from taking pictures of the food and <laughs> that's it and then just sit but there then the why, time. why do people do that like you came for a date you know you came to a date and then you're on your phone the whole time yes i'm they have anxiety i don't know nowadays people have different coping mechanisms but that's what that was the worst date you've been on yeah but beyond that i can't complain about the other ones always a learning experience okay yeah, yeah. all right so what's your type of person now that we're in the we're in february we're in the month of love, love. What, <laughs> what what kind of person are you looking for i would say um no, a laid-back person, mm-hmm. someone who has um, personality for me. It's very big. Yeah, you know, I like uh, somebody with a personality. Yeah, a personality that can sort of match mine. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. <laughs> and you know, someone who is passionate about their craft and what they do. Okay. So whether they're a doctor, engineer, musician, artist, painter, someone who has a passion for what they do. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. So you, you're a PhD holder. Mm-hmm. You're a, you're a, you're a lecturer. Would you date somebody who has not gone to school? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I have dated several people who have not gone to school, uh-huh. um, but I always find the challenge always comes down to relatability. They can't match whatever. They can't relate with you. Yeah, and, and it's not even so much about eliminating them from uh, on that perspective. It's uh-huh. just that relatability, I can say. Because now when I start talking about certain issues, they right. can't even contribute to the conversation. Either um, that, or they just generally don't understand. They might think I'm either ignoring them. You see, sometimes as an academic, you can find yourself, you lock yourself to write papers. To write papers, yeah. So this person can think you're ignoring them. Yeah. But if it was someone who, let's say, was a lawyer, they could understand. Yeah. Because even them, sometimes they need to they lock need themselves to and work on cases. I get what you're saying. So it's, for me, relatability, I, I, I came to learn after the several persons have, have dated. Yeah. I came to learn more about relatability. It's important, you see? Yeah. It's I, very important. So, so relatability, but that's true. Rel- yeah. Relatability and compatibility, and compatibility come together. Yes. So I agree with you. Yeah. And we're coming to, next week is Valentine's, yeah? Yes. yes. Um, do you think Valentine's is overrated? Uh, <laughs> you know, have I even... Have you ever celebrated Valentine's, first I think of all? One time I... Uh, uh, one, uh, Previous, uh, I was dating a girl maybe back in 2019. I got a, I got a 2020. I, I think I got a teddy bears, flowers. Wow. Hey. Yeah. And but I always feel like above all, you know, love needs respect, and respect needs love. So. Uh-huh. What did they get you? You got them teddy bear. Oh, man, you get, you get a hug, <laughs> maybe a kiss. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, you know, for those ones who embrace the the day, I respect that. Yeah. I respect people's choices etc so if the day is important to them i respect that i get i yeah, get yeah. amazing so the next question uh-huh. what what do you think what question do you think your future self would ask you right now yeah. huh. do you think about the future a lot i think yeah sometimes it also gives me anxiety yeah because you know? i like to i like uh, you know i like to plan myself mm-hmm. but as you understand with life you can never plan yourself properly properly yeah true yeah. but what's one question that you think your future self would ask you right now how many lives did you change how many lives did you change yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, your future I, self is very focused, yeah. <laughs> I try I try to be because without tunaitanga mwelekeo. Mwelekeo lazima ngona mwelekeo. Yeah, without that uh, especially as 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 young men, mm-hmm. we tend to stray away. So we always need a, a philosophy to guide us. Yeah. And the way we were raised, we were raised to always have a philosophy that guides you. Ni nini unafanya? Mwelekeo ni gani? which which actually brings me to my next question. What what motivates you to be to do all of this you know not many people know about climate change especially young people in mm-hmm. Kenya and i've realized because i was doing some research for something mm-hmm. what do you think motivates you to be that kind of person what motivates me um two things the internships that i did mm-hmm. after university yeah i did uh, three unpaid internships the where where did you do them Kenya Wildlife Service Lake Nakuru National Park. Uh-huh. Um, National Environmental Management Authority Nakuru district at that time. Yeah. Well, uh, are they paid internships or you're uh, just volunteering? I just volunteered my time <laughs> in the county government of Nakuru Department of Environment. Wow. And when I was interacting within the job space uh-huh. with my bosses and going for field visits. Yeah. KWS particularly was seeing the drought that had impacted the park. Yeah. You see dead carcasses of dead buffaloes and herbivores. You see skinny lions. What? And yeah, it was it was a uh, you know because like Nakuru's the park's ecosystem is actually it's not that big, mm. you know. So when you start seeing the direct impacts of climate, why well, it doesn't even rain? Yeah. Right. And then uh, when I was in Nema, uh, when we used to go again for field visits, you yeah. go see deforestation. Yeah. You go see uh, various. Uh, high risk facilities we call them like industries yeah. polluting the waters of like Njoro, you know Njoro river for example or the various so, river streams so seeing all of that yeah. seeing how the the drought and all of that that's what motivates you to make a difference and particularly when i went from downstream to upstream on Njoro river to see where Njoro river was starting yeah it was around was it? nakuru narok border yeah oh man the amount of deforestation in the area and you could see the stream was starting to so the, the people doing the deforestation sorry to cut you short no it's okay yeah, yeah. the people doing the deforestation are they like people who are selling coal or it's just people who are cutting off the trees or encroachment uh it's multiple actors okay you have the commercial loggers oh you have of course people trying to survive charcoal burning yeah. of course and then you have others clearing land for for cultivation yeah but a lot of this stems back to our politics in our country uh-huh. land politics in this country yeah we understand that land was a for the longest time land was a patronage tool when i say a patronage tool it was something that you could give to people regardless of whether it was public land or even communal, communal land, land yeah. you could give to people in a private capacity to get loyalty yeah and you've seen this with our previous government yeah, it's see. not a lie it's the truth it's the truth yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why we see there was never that uh, goodwill, that political goodwill to retain the forest in its own capacity, the Mao mm-hmm. Forest, for example. So, do you think that has changed over the years? Like, the, from that time you're doing the internships to now, do you think there has been a change? Well, we, 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 the, the government did uh, try to push for uh, this 10% forest cover. Yeah, yeah. And the person that we really have to thank the most for is Wangari Madai. Wangari Madai. Professor Wangari Madai. That's did. an icon. Exactly. Yeah. She's my hero. I have most of her books. You she inspired my work, uh-huh. yeah. And you could see even, apart from her works generally in, in, in environmentalism, mm-hmm. 
impacted even multi-party democracy in our country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was part of the because I'm also doing my research on the same. Yeah. And I'm reading of women like Charity Ngilu and Wangariba. They are one of the people who actually advocated for the multi-party democracy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. So now the next question is what's what what is your current read? Do you read I think you've said you've mentioned you read books. Yeah. Do you are you reading a book right now? Right now I was uh I, you know because of okay in academia you you mostly find yourself reading a lot of papers. Research um, papers. Research papers. Uh-huh. Um but there's a certain book I was even supposed to go look for. Which one is that? It's called is it Branding Kenya? It's a Kenyan it's author. A, it's a Kenyan author. I'm trying uh-huh. to read local authors. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to get into local, like, read yeah. local authors too. So most of the works I've been reading have uh, been around land politics, particularly journals. Okay. And of course, with your research, I'd read so much that there's a point I even said that, hey, I, I need a break. <laughs> you need a <laughs> But I always try to keep myself on my toes in terms of current affairs. Uh-huh. I read my business daily to know what's read going daily, on. read daily? Business yeah. daily? Yeah. Okay. I try and get to know what's going on in our country, in our economy. Yeah. Yeah, but um, above all, my life is surrounded with books. Okay. Yeah. So your current read is that book you, which you don't remember. But yes, I love I'll... that you read. But what, what would you term as the best books which have changed your life? Because I'm sure everyone has a book that they will say, I think Victor said Dreams of My Father. Yes. And another book which I've forgotten. <laughs> a lot of, uh, two books from Franz Fanon. Franz Fanon, yeah. wow. The Wretched a... of the Earth. Yeah. Um, Black Skin, Black White Skin Mask. Yeah. And uh, Wangari Madai Unbowed. Is it Unbowed or Unbowed? Unbowed. And Gugiwa Diongo, Decolonizing the Mind. Decolonizing the Mind. That was actually mind. a book that impacted me and changed my outlook on how I look. Even yeah. Life. Uh, you know the way you're speaking about being social and all of that. Yeah. What you keep reminding me is Pierre Lumumba. Uh-huh. You know Pierre Lumumba in his speeches, he's always quoting Gugiwa Thiongo, uh-huh. uh, people like Julius Nyerere. Uh-huh. All these people when they were when Ghana became independent, yes. he said Ghana cannot be independent if all the African countries are still uh, under colonial rule. Yeah. And that's the mindset we should have. You know, very few people think about it in that way. Exactly. And I'm so happy to meet somebody like you. Yes. So, what is the worst way somebody has butchered your name? <laughs> butchered my name? Like they said it, for example, me, my name is Melvin. Yeah. Some people call me Melvin. Oh. Some, Melvin. <laughs> has anyone butchered your name? It used to happen a lot, especially when you're studying out there. Yeah. I remember... <laughs> Someone used to call me Munin. Munin. Yeah. It's only people who had come from African cultures could pronounce my name. Oh, Munene. Because particularly people from Bantu cultures. Yeah. But uh, generally in the Western countries, Munin. So even my 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 first uh, uh, dorm mate, yeah? yeah, roommate. Roommate, yeah. When I when I went to university for the first time, yeah. he, he thought I was French. Because of Munene. Yeah, it's like Munin, you know, so the the, the parents and him, they were sitting down, you know, they were anticipating starting college. Uh You know, in America, going to college is a big thing. Parents prepare you, they take you, there's even parent-student day. Really? So the guy had started emailing me and I was not even in the country yet. He's like, hey, I'm going to be your your, your, Your your roommate. roommate Are you French or something? I I replied, no, I told him I'm Kenyan. Kenyan. Uh, Okay, Munin, that's a new one. I've never heard of it. (laughs) What's your, what would you say is your favorite movie? Wow. Do you watch movies by the because you are reading a lot? <laughs> uh, you know, nowadays I stopped. I, you know, I think over time, 
I stopped watching, like I cannot sit down and watch, watch TV. Watch a whole, okay. Um, but in terms of wildlife documentaries, I can do it. There's okay. another very good wildlife documentary that was narrated by Barack Obama. Barack Obama, that, on the one on Netflix. Yes, ah, I've I watched loved it. it so much. Yeah, I think it's called The Great National Parks. Exactly. Yeah. So it touched on, I think, Kakadu Park in Australia. Uh-huh. And our parks here, I think, I don't know. Yeah, there are also some parks, I don't remember. Savo. They, they, Savo. Did, they did Savo. Yeah. yeah. Which is, um, yeah, so my favorite So movie, your movies are documentaries. Yeah, and, and <laughs> The Godfather. I love The Godfather. Scarface. Godfather, that's a yeah, classic. Series, Scarface. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch Godfather and Scarface, you are a legend. Yes. <laughs> I like those uh, mobster movies. Mobster mo- mafia yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, I love them. They're me very too, interesting. Me too. Yeah. So the next question is, <laughs> do you have hobbies? Oh, yeah. You know, my, my mom used to ask me, what are your talents? And I could what are your answer that question. Yeah. Um, my hobbies, I'd say... Um, Speaking. Oh, speaking. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot anyway. Um, <laughs> you can do. I think you can do like a PowerPoint presentation, and you will, you will work the room properly. Simio. I try to. Okay. Breaking the ice. I don't like an elephant in the room. Yeah. You know, I try to make sure I get everyone on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ah, hobbies. Yeah. Traveling. I love traveling. traveling. Yeah. And wildlife watching. Ah, I love. You love watching. Have you been to the Mara? The Mara. I went. We went to the Mara in 2000. And Nine. That was the last time I've ever been there. But doing my internship in KWS for free, I used to get used park to rides get all the time. All the time. Oh. Exactly. So we used to, so I, we used to traverse around the, the national park either in Elementaita, Lake Nakuru. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I love wildlife, wildlife watching, traveling, and it doesn't have to be international travel. Even local traveling. I yeah. want to even go as far as Turkana. Tembea, I want Kenya. to go to Mandera. Yeah. I want to traverse the whole of Kenya because our country is very beautiful. I love. I love. Yeah. Hey. You're really advocating for Kenya, so no, all Kenya of you, is the best. So what what is the best country you'd say that you've visited so far? Um, Apart from Kenya, of course, that's a given. Well, Kenya is my home. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say every country is unique in its own way, mm-hmm. because even if I say this one was the best, above this, you have different learning experiences with all the countries, okay. the goods and the bad. Yeah. So and I haven't the only the countries I've been to. Oh, I love Lesotho. Les, Lesotho? Lesotho. Lesotho. We call it Lesotho. But it's Lesotho. Lesotho. Oh, really? Yeah, it's in the middle of uh, is it Swaziland? Ah, no, no. Swaziland is toward the eastern side of, 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 of the South, South Africa, uh-huh. near Mozambique. Uh-huh. And Lesotho is in the middle of South Africa, within it's Free a different State country. Province. Yeah, it's a country within South Africa. Ah, and what yeah. kind of leadership do they have there? Is it yeah. the place they have kings? And yeah, they, they still, still have, have a, a monarch, but they have a prime minister also. Oh. Yeah, but it was a, hey, it was a very warm country, mm-hmm. um, uh, culturally uniform. And I remember when I was there, I was hosted by my colleague when we were doing our, uh, when we were doing our PhDs in, 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 at the University of Cape Town. Yeah. So he told me one time, let's go on a road trip, let's go to my country. Hey. And I was so like, it's a road trip to the country. Exactly. So I have to check whether I need a visa to go to Lesotho. And I saw I didn't need a you visa. You don't need a visa? No, just cross over the border as long as my South African visa is valid, my student yeah. visa, which was valid. Yeah. So we went to Lesotho, we spent four days. Um, the the, the the people are very hospitable. How's the food there? The food is great. What uh, do they eat? Large different? portions. They yeah. large portions. <laughs> okay. Yes. What what is your favorite food by the way? Ah, uh, my favorite food. Wow. No me I'm a foodie, that's also another thing. <laughs> you seem like you like to eat. Um I think oh my god, that's a very tough one. I love different Okay, you can say the top three then. The top three? Mm. I love hamburgers. Hamburgers. Yeah, okay. and that's because of 
living in the US. So McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. The bigger the burger the better. You know? <laughs> a big uh, mac. A big mac. Um occasionally I do love fish, ugali and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, these greens. traditional greens. Ah, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed a lot of that when I went to Nyanza. Uh-huh. And um what's the other indulgence? Or fried chicken. Fried ah. chicken. You love fried chicken. <laughs> <Or> fried chicken. <laughs> I won't lie on that. Okay. Yeah, I love so if you chicken. if you are watching us and you want uh, your way to his heart, you know how to go. Mm. So the last question as we wrap up this segment is yeah. what's the best piece of advice you've been given of you you've come across? The best piece of advice. Um the best piece of advice is don't throw all your eggs in one basket. Okay. Uh my 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 my, my colleague Anselmo um well i really have to thank a lot dr anselmo dr anselmo yeah. who, who is he um he was a colleague of mine in mm-hmm. our program uh we were actually the only two guys in the program actually particularly two african guys in the program when it had started okay and if there's someone who has been pushing me my throughout my whole academia mm-hmm. journey of academia apart from my dad and my mom yeah was Anselmo. Anselmo mm-hmm. used to encourage me to apply for scholarships even when I could not get scholarships or funding. Yeah. He used to send me links, etc., etc., and just try to keep pushing me. And one thing he used to tell me is like you don't need to put all your eggs in, in one, one basket because if that basket breaks, you're done. You're done. So keep trying. Try this, try that. So he's a He's a person who's been very pivotal in my academic journey. I, I, I really owe him a lot. He's a Doctor, big brother to me. Doc, shout out to Dr. Anselmo. Yeah, Anselmo, Dr. He's Anselmo. He's from Kenya? No, he's Mozambican, okay. but he lives in Sweden. Oh. Yes. Okay, so yeah. I hope he's listening. So big shout out to him. So that is the first segment of the show. We want to say a big thank you for staying with us so far. So if you, if you have any questions for Dr. Munene, please leave it on the comment section of the Spotify uh, app. And yes, we'll let you know. Okay, welcome back to the second segment. With, we are here with Dr. Munene Mugambi. Um, he's an interesting person who is in love with Kenya. I think you should be uh, describing yourself as a Pan-African. That's what I am. That's what you are, yeah. I am a Pan-Africanist. My father is a Pan-Africanist. So, so it's the whole family. So. Yes. If you if you're out there, please check him out on LinkedIn. Where can people get you? Only on li- LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm only active there. So, so Munene has said that he's too old <laughs> <laughs> for social media. <laughs> he's on LinkedIn, but yeah, he's a pretty chill dude. Um, so now let's get to the serious questions. Can you tell us uh, you've done a PhD? Um, would you advise anyone in university to do a PhD? regardless of whatever course they're doing? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I'd encourage anyone mm-hmm. in any profession who has gone through the university system, yeah. if you'd like to take a PhD, I'd encourage anyone to do it. Mm-hmm. Number one, don't do it for money. Don't you do see? it for money. Don't do it because you want to earn a, PhD, jump, jump a jump job group, the, yeah. something. Do it because you have passion for something. Okay. That is the only way you're going to even write that thesis. Because <laughs> right? you need motivation. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I would say, I'd ask you, you're in the law sector. Yes. Right? Let's say you're passionate about criminal law. Yeah. Um, then you can do a PhD because you're passionate about, about that. You're willing crimi- to look at really, the gap. Yes, yes. The missing knowledge. Yeah. But if you do a PhD because you want money, then you're going to be very frustrated. You're uh-huh. never going to feel fulfilled. Yeah. You see? But regardless of whichever subject area you are, 
I always encourage people to do a PhD because now if you look at Kenya, most of our PhDs are now delving into professional jobs, mm -hmm. right? No one is in the academic systems. Okay. Particularly with our generation. Yeah. Once our our parents' generation retire from the university, yeah. the next we're talking about the next 10, 15 years, we are going to be having a huge gap. We're There's going, going to, to be saying, a gap. Exactly. Okay. So I'd encourage as many you people in different... You encourage people to go and do their PhD. Yes, do you, by all means. What would you tell somebody who is about to do their PhD? Is it tough? Is it worth it? What, what should they expect when doing a, a, a PhD? Number one, they have to understand it's a mental battle. <laughs> it's in the mind. It's in the mind more than <laughs> it is in the books and the papers, etc. Yeah. It's one thing, and especially if you're going to do a PhD, number one, make sure you have good funding. funding so, so how do you get funding? Funding, you get funding through multiple channels, scholarships. Yeah? Uh -huh. And usually when you apply for a PhD, you have to contact the lecturer you're interested in working with. Or your supervisor. Your, super, your potential supervisor. Super, okay. To see whether you can, they can supervise the idea that you have, the proposal. Okay. L let me ask a question. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's going to be a supervisor, do they have to also be an expert in that field? It's, it's, it's usually recommended. Okay. Because now when, the, when your dissertation goes for examination, and let's say the person who was uh, supervising you had no idea what was going on. It could set you up for failure. Okay. <clears throat> so supervisors are usually people who have interest in your area, have some understanding of your area. They also need to have a PhD. In most cases, in most universities, yes. But I have seen that, you know, some people are even, uh, like I know, for example, in the art field, mm -hmm. don't really need to have the a arts. PhD in, the, in uh, this uh, structural art or something. Okay. Yeah, but um, generally you, you have, have to, to have, have a, PhD a PhD to be a supervisor. Okay. Yeah, but you can be, you can be a master's and then you supervise on a student or something. Uh, but yeah, you have yeah. to be a degree higher than than them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you. Usually, when somebody does a PhD, you're supposed to defend it. Yes. And I think you're told to you're given a minute. I don't know. I want to uh, <laughs> know if it's a misconception or a myth that you're given a minute to say whatever is in your research paper, in your thesis, rather. Is it true? A defense is a form of examination, okay. right? Basically, it's the group of examiners. They want to see whether you are the one who wrote that thesis. Okay. Can, they give you 15 minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes? You it's not one minute. No, no, no. no. Hey, one minute. No, so it's one minute. Ah. And you have to say everything in one minute. No, no, no. You can't. You know, sometimes some people are even scatterbrained, like they need time to think. Oh, yeah, to arrange so, that. Exactly. Yeah. So you need at least a, a 10-slide PowerPoint, 5-slide, so that you can show people your objectives, mm -hmm. your research questions, your yeah. statement of the purpose, etc. So one minute would be unfair. That, oh. <laughs> no one takes a cut even for, for, one, for, for 10 minutes. Even oral exams, I don't think, can be done in one minute. Exactly. So I don't know who lied to me in one minute. <laughs> Whoever you are, I'll get you. Yeah. So you've done a PhD on climate, and you're really passionate about climate change. Mm -hmm. So what is your view on this theme? What is your view on climate change in this present day, and especially in Kenya? You know, maybe our, listen, our listeners are people in campus. Should they be thinking about climate change? Very much. Mm -hmm. uh, climate change is now the buzzword. Yeah, it's the buzzword, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's a main topic of governments. Yeah. It's a main topic of geopolitics yeah. when we are talking from that perspective. Mm -hmm. We should be concerned about climate change because it's not going anywhere. It's here to stay. Climate change is here to stay. Yeah, it's all about us changing our behaviors, mitigating our, our impacts on the environment. Okay. And we have to be prepared to live with uncertainty. 
Hey. It could rain in March or it could not rain. You are, you are scaring me. <laughs> Climate change is a scary situation. Okay. Yeah. So for anyone who is listening to us, can you define climate change? What is climate change? Like the layman, somebody who maybe may has gotten a link from, somebody sent them a link and they want to listen on climate. What is climate change? Climate change to me is abnormality in weather patterns. Abnormal. That's simple. I used, I used to think it's like Sijui, the polars, they are melting. That's that part of, of the it? whole situation. Oh. Now, abnormality is what, right? Yeah. Uncertainty and variability is what, right? Uh-huh. We used to know that we'll have long rains from March, April, May. Uh, so right now I can go plant, but it doesn't rain. It doesn't rain. And then I ask myself, the last four years it hasn't been raining on March, April and May, and that is our longest rains. Yeah. For example, let's say in a place where it never used to snow, it starts snowing, right? Okay. In a place that never used to experience droughts, it starts experiencing droughts on a mega on a, on a massive scale. Yeah. Right. So that's climate change. Yeah. So it's abnormality. abnormality. It's an abnormality in weather patterns. Okay. Yeah. So, what are you? What are the in in the long term? Mm-hmm. How is climate change going to affect us as a population? I I don't like being. A person to scare people because I know to be a prophet of doom <laughs> yeah I don't like that yeah I like to basically say like we just must mitigate our 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 our, our the impacts that we have had on the environment okay we live in an age called the Anthropocene yeah Anthro- so Anthro- Anthropocene Anthropocene yeah this is now the new age where we are living in we, were, we just came from the Holocene now we're in, in the, the Anthropocene Anthro- so hey. That is, <laughs> yeah. So that that is is to this anthro is what anthro is is a human being. Yeah, anthro is anthropomorphic, uh, anthropogenic, anthropology, right? Uh-huh. Anthro is a human being, right? Uh-huh. So our footprint on the planet is larger than any other species that has stepped foot on this planet. Okay. We are the ones who have impacted the ecosystem on a large scale. So it's not the wild animals, it's the humans. It's not the wild animals, it's the humans. Okay. Based on our development trajectory, right? To grow okay. our economies. So, okay, so the adverse effects are like, how can we see it? How are we going to see it? Like, the way we are sitting right here, mm-hmm. I was complaining about the dust. The dust. Even when I was ca- coming here, I was, I was, I was, we were talking with the Uber driver, talking yeah. about when is it ever going to rain. Then he asked me about Kitengela. I said, Kitengela is going on. The same thing that's happening in Kitengela is happening in Rungai. Right. There's a lot of heat, by the way. Exactly. So we just have to expect the unexpected. Mm. That is just how we are supposed to live with these things. And then, they are, of course, they are talking about climate disasters that should come, that, that are projected by climate scientists that may happen um, between now and 2050 and yeah. 2100, toward the end of the century, if we let that temperature go above by that global average temperature go above by, I think, one degree Celsius. One degree. Yeah. If that happens, then we'll start experiencing. Changes in weather on a massive scale. That's serious. Yeah, and of course with rising sea levels, melting snow caps. You see, Mount Kenya is no longer the same as it was before, right? It, it has melted. The snow cap has it's melted. Being, it's being impacted by climate, right? Ah. Warming weather. Okay. Yeah. So it's up to us to, as stewards of the planet. As stewards of the planet. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we were put here for, right? Yeah. Was to take care of what is around us, yeah. not to misuse and abuse. Yeah. But unfortunately, with our need to grow our economies. So us being a capitalistic world is what is driving climate change. Exactly. And that extreme capitalism. You see that extreme capitalism where profits matter more than the environment. The environment. Profits matter more than 
even rural agrarian lives. What do I mean? Small-scale farmers, yeah. a pastoralist. When Want profits for government and private sector matters more than even the small guy, yeah. matters more than wildlife, matters more than even ecosystems. You see, that is now when capitalism becomes a monster I see. and gobbles everything up. Okay, mm. so let me ask, mm -hmm. how can we act so that we mitigate all this? We need to slow down. Okay. If somebody is listening to us, what, what would you tell them is like slow down? What does slow down mean? Slowing down means at the rate that we are using our environment. Mm -hmm. For example, extensive mining. You see? If you go to countries like DRC. There's a lot of mining. They, yeah. Mining is the major business there. Until yeah. that country has to be engulfed in wars so that the private corporations can go there and mine in peace. Right? And I hear that uh, actually the wars are being funded by the, the first world countries. Exactly. So that they can distract the masses as they pillage the Nini. Exactly. The you need Nini, instability the in the third world so that first world economies can, can have stability. What? That's crazy. You cannot have a stable <laughs> third world and, and expect the first world to be stable. Okay. I, I guess this is a global type, global type balance of negative and positive, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, so we need to slow down even in our agricultural sector in terms of how we take care of our soils. Mm -hmm. For me, I always say, and what I've learned, and it's not a secret, mm -hmm. things like fertilizers, for example. Do you know soil gets addicted to fertilizer the way a drug addict is addicted to drugs? Really? Yeah, sometimes some soils cannot function without fertilizer. Fertilizer, because and, they're addicted. <laughs> yeah, because now you've killed the organic material that supports the soil what? through mechanized agriculture. Yeah. Rough agriculture, we call it that rough and bust agriculture where you need to cultivate tons of maize yeah, yeah. and then you, 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 you remove the small scale farmers who are intuitive with the environment, you remove them. Yeah. You know, we always, uh, we always uh, dismiss the knowledge of small scale farmers, we always dismiss the, the knowledge of pastoralists, yeah, yeah, we, we dismiss the knowledge of indigenous knowledge that was handed down to us from parents, grandparents, we dismiss that. You see? And that's like, I don't know, is that part of neo-colonialism? It could be part of that. Because yeah. remember, we, are remo we remove that aspect of care. Yeah. That is why when I tell you we need to slow down, we need to embrace an aspect of care for our environment. Okay. You need to understand even with this Nazarene, it's beautiful with the trees. And yeah. we are living in a very dry area. Yeah. Without these trees, the campus would be dusty. So dusty. And they... imagine sometimes, maybe you are stressed with school. You can just sit in the grass there and just relax. Yeah. There's something aesthetic about uh, this environment. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. So we need to so have need to care for the environment. Yeah. Okay. So somebody who's listening to us, um, maybe they don't know how, how can they be part of the bigger group. Let's say, how can they be part of the movement of changing, uh, like mitigating, not changing? Because you said we can't change right now. We yeah. can only mitigate. Yeah. So how can they be part of the change? Does okay. it mean don't litter, plant more trees? What does it mean? Number one, be proud of your environment. Okay. You see the way you can go to Rwanda and you cannot spit ah, yeah, around yeah, in Rwanda. Yeah, You've yeah. heard of Kagame yeah, rules. Kagame eh? rules. <laughs> Even plastic bags. Yeah. We need to start cultivating this pride in our, in our environment where we live, for example. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and trying to do, if you go to even Western countries, when you throw litter on the ground, people look at you. Like, funny, like, what are you doing? Exactly. But in Kenya, you can drink a Coke, take the plastic and 
throw it yeah. in the environment. We need to restore this pride in our environment. Yeah. We need to restore, um, but restoring even our pride, also we need to restore the dignity of Kenyans mm -hmm. so that they can also love their country. Yeah. After living out there, I came to say my country is my country. I love my country very much. You I see? love it, yeah. Yeah, so how Kenyans can be part of the movement? Yeah. Number one, uh, don't limit yourself only to your profession. Okay. You can, all these professions can contribute a lot to matters of environmentalism. So whether you're a lawyer or you're a businessman, you can contribute, you can contribute. in a positive way. Exactly. Because even, even if you're a businessman, you could even donate to NGOs and community-based organizations that are planting trees. Yeah. You see? Don't, let's not just wait for Kenya Forestry to, to support these organizations or county governments. Yeah. Even us in our private capacity as businessmen, in our home environments. We need to support even these people who, who, who plant tree nurseries. Yeah. We need to be, that's that communal, that social yeah, thing. You can make your say. billions in profits, yeah. but sometimes even if you take even uh, one million and you support a community-based organization of women planting who are planting trees, trees, or women who are undergoing training to become better farmers, yeah. etc. It's all about you as an individual asking yourself from your profession, at what capacity can you sacrifice within your profession to contribute to the growth of a wider movement that yeah. is affecting all of us globally. Okay. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think is the politics, what do you think of the politics surrounding the whole climate change uh, narrative here in Kenya? You know, Kenya, I feel, number one, I'm very proud of the government for being at the forefront okay. of fighting the, the, against climate change. The present change. government or... It started, it started predominantly with, uh, I, think towards, uh, I think, towards the end of Kibaki's regime when they were trying to restore the forests. Yeah. And then Kenyatta, President Kenyatta was, was, was very committed to matters yeah. of climate change. You see now, we, we've seen our growth in wind farms, yeah. wind energy, uh, renewable energy transition, we call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we are, we are adopting renewable energy. We, we have committed to um, several uh, global doc uh, is it doctrines or uh, agreements, yeah? Yeah. Like, so many climate-based agreements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For us, we are at the forefront of helping to mitigate against global climate. So, so would you say there is political goodwill in that regard? There is political goodwill when we talk. But <laughs> when it comes to action... There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk, but when it comes to action, I feel like our government can pull up its socks. Okay. Because if we are talking about even the adoption of uh, renewable energy, mm -hmm. At the micro level, when we are looking at communities who are losing their lands mm. to these wind farms, yeah. is that fair? How, do, how, will are, they, how should they be restored? Yeah, are we sacrificing the livelihoods of smaller communities for the better of the nation, to, <laughs> for, the, for the wider benefit of the so nation? So where, where do we draw the mitigate? line? We draw the line when it comes to the destruction of democracy. Every, okay. You know, when we say we are living in a democracy, things should be negotiated. People's rights should be respected as per the constitution yeah. we are the lawyer <laughs> so you understand our constitution is it protects us and protects our environment oh, yes. right oh, so yes. if i come and take your land because you're a community and i've refused to recognize your communal land right right yeah i take your land and then i build a wind farm so now i'm exposing you to climate change so that i can mitigate climate change at the global level you see okay so if you're a pastoralist if you're a farmer if i take your land and you have nowhere to farm yeah exposed to climate so impacts. you're basically saying we should put the put first things first exactly we need to and and, and, and even even if let's say for example uh, this area is very boisterous yeah it yeah. has a lot of wind and yeah. we want to put out we must bring the communities to the table 
they negotiate. Must be public participation. Exactly. Everybody must be involved. Exactly. Like you see this thing even with the fertilizers and, and, and the GMOs. Yeah. That was a public participation. Even when they were changing the seed act so that they can accommodate now bringing in GMOs. GMO. So that it's apparently like we're not going to be able to use uh, to reuse seeds from this harvest to this other harvest. Right? Then what's your view on GMO? Now that you've brought it up. GMO, I've been eating it throughout my life, you particularly having it. living in the West. And yeah. I believe Kenyans have been eating GMOs because we are, we are now a net, net exporter of food. In importer, sorry. Importer, net importer yeah. of food. And if you import, you're importing GMO food. Yeah, if you get maize from South Africa or maize from Brazil, yeah. it's GMO. So is it true that GMO can make you grow breasts, according to some people? <laughs> Some of these things, I find them. Is it be, propaganda? I find them to be mythical, <laughs> but anyway, you know, science is there, mm -hmm. and I always advise people to read the science. Read the science. Read the science. Understand the science. Okay. Because word of mouth is not going to help us when we are spreading false narratives. True. So, but I, I, okay, I've seen. So like, it's safe from a scientific point of view. From a scientific point of view, it's supposed to be safe, okay. right? But yeah. of course, science is trial and error. Yeah, true. They must, in order to perfect science, you must keep experimenting, right? I see. Yeah. So. So we the lab rats in that, <laughs> and we are just learning as we're building on. I mean, even Western countries have been in these positions, right? Saying yeah. that they, they, they eat GMOs, but the only problem with us is that we focus so much on food security and not food sovereignty. Mm. There's a difference between the two. Food security and food sovereignty. Yeah. We focus on food security because we are panicking as a country. Yeah. Droughts. We need those drought-resistant crops. Yeah. But at the same time, when we are panicking about food security, we are forgetting about matters of food sovereignty. Uh-huh. Food sovereignty is what? The thing where I told you farmers have absolute rights over their seeds. Mm -hmm. They are the ones who control the farming sector, right? And they are the ones who produce our foods. Take, for example, in India. Yeah. During the Green Revolution of India, yeah, you know, it resulted in, it resulted in mass catastrophes for farmers. They came, adopted all these uh, modernized farming technologies. They did away with smallholder farming, even though so smallholder farming has been proven. If you read a book by Vindana Shiva, mm -hmm. Soil Not Oil, it's a good book. That's an Indian. Yeah, okay. she's an Indian author and an, an, an eco-feminist and environmentalist. Mm -hmm. And hi, Nwangari Madai. I love their books. Yeah. So she talks about it was proven that small holding farmers could produce even even if it's not as much as but even more than what the mechanized farmers were producing on really? a large scale and they were producing nutritious food not more nutritious food. and that is what even what wangari madai was fighting for mm. you know you need nutritious food yeah because now if we are talking about food security you know from corn maize yeah. you can derive so many junk foods from, from it corn, yeah i've lived in the west and i know that you wake up in the morning eat cornflakes yeah right eat witabix yeah. that is from Wheat, maize, and then sugar, of course, you need sugar. Yeah. And then you need salts, and then you need fats in terms of protein and, 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 and animal products. Yeah. So your food is limited. So you are, you are, you are to mrenda, nini, you don't have that. Those things will disappear. Yeah. If we embrace food security alone without embracing food sovereignty, we lose a lot of our customers. So food sovereignty should come first before security. Important. It's very important if you are going to achieve food security. We must protect our farmers and everyone who produces food for our nation. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask, do you know Greta Thunberg? Yes. <laughs> I think if you're a climate... Uh, if you're a climate uh, change enthusiast, you know Greta Thunberg. What are your thoughts on her? Uh, okay. First of all, can you tell the listeners who Greta is? Greta, Greta from what I have understood, yeah. uh, Greta is a, is a climate activist. I think she's from Norway. No, yeah. She's Norwegian. 
Uh, she started climate activism when she was in, I think, in grade school. Yeah, yeah, and very young. Very young. And you know what Greta did, despite all the controversies, she has challenged us to start delving into climate activism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I give her the credit of, 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 of now challenging all of us, particularly even young people, yeah. to get involved in matters of climate, climate activism. Yeah. Climate activism is very is very critical, and to Greta, she has done a very good job on that. Yeah. But we also have our own. Um, I think her name is Esther. Esther. I mean, Esther. The Esther. only activist I know here in Kenya is Anita Sowina. I don't know if you know Anita. No, I don't know her. Yeah. But I know Esther. Esther. I think she was. She went to one climate protest where Greta was. Uh huh. She's also doing an amazing job. I'll file check her. Yeah. Okay, but interesting thoughts on Greta. So. Yeah. If you were given a minute to tell the world uh, your view on climate change, mm -hmm. what will you tell the world? My view on climate change? Yeah. Um, you have the whole of the world. You are the one with the microphone. You have ev every camera on you. People are listening to you. You want to tell them about climate change. What would you tell them? I tell them it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's here to stay. Unless we change. So get a, better get used to it. Better get used to it. Learn to adapt ourselves around it. Learn to mitigate the, the impacts that we've had uh -huh, on this planet. We have to adapt. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I told you we live in the age of the Anthropocene, where Anthrop man has Anthropocene. Anthropocene. Uh -huh. Where man has dominated the environment uh -huh. on a large scale. Uh -huh. You know, I used to be asked by my professor. My professor used to tell us, I mean, if if a geologist was to do excavation when they do geological work or, yeah. or paleobiology, etc. What is paleo? Paleobiology, it's the study of uh, matters of fossils oh. from a biological perspective. Paleontology okay. is matters of studying uh, fossils, uh -huh. right? So if a paleobiologist or a paleontologist or even anthropologist or a geologist, mm -hmm. when they are digging our our fossils, what do they find? Chicken bones. We eat a lot of chicken, right? We'll They'll find livestock bones, yeah? Okay. To signify that during this era, there were certain animals that, that were consumed, consumed the most, right? Okay. Um, of course, with our population, they'll find us, mm -hmm. right? They'll find our, our excavators, the machines that we use, okay. right? Yeah. So in the, in the different layers of the, of, the, of the geological strata. So we have had a huge footprint on this planet. Okay. That's a fact. And we need to now start taking care of the planet. So climate change is here to stay. Yes. Okay. Do you think we have the willpower and the funds? Because I know money is also a huge factor in this mm -hmm. to actually make a positive change yeah. on our climate. Should we plant more trees? I don't know. We need to be serious with the tree planting. Mm. The, 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 the policies are there. The our government has a very good climate policy. Ah. But so it's the implementation. Implementation. Now we're talking about doing so a that's the leadership. Exactly. We're talking about a 10% forest cover. And then here, we are now starting to talk about uh, uh, occupations of forests. Forest is forest land. Gazetted the way it was gazetted it ever since remain. it was known. should remain like that. Like that. Okay. It's very discouraging that we have such good policies, we have such good constitution, mm -hmm. such a good constitution rather, and we hardly implement these things. You yeah. are a lawyer, you see the challenges yeah. in implementing the constitution. Yeah. Now even lawyers are even at the forefront of protesting even government appointments that we've 
they, they deem as yeah, being unconstitutional. Yeah. Political goodwill of enforcing some of these laws and policies is not there. Becomes political. Yeah. You see? Yeah, so we need to understand just like the way you say you break the law, you break the law. There's no way other way around it, right? You so get... the same thing, climate change and matters of forestry should not be negotiable. We should achieve that ten percent forest cover even before twenty thirty. Yeah, and it's possible. It's possible. Because I, I think I saw a picture of a guy who actually planted that who uh, I don't know, is it called reforestation? Yeah. He did that on a desert, yeah. and he actually made a big change. Exactly. So it's possible. So I don't know why the government, but again, as I read a lot of Chinua Achebe, mm -hmm. ah, he, wrote a book, he wrote a book called The Trouble with Nigeria, and I think the same problem with Nigeria is the same problem in Kenya. And he said that any problem in, in Nigeria falls squarely and fairly on the leadership. Yes. So it's now the leadership that should be tasked with that mandate to implement. And also, Melvin? Yeah. You should look at Wangari's Madai chapter on foresters without diploma. Uh -huh. It's a very good chapter. <coughs> it speaks a lot on how we can all be environmentalists regardless of our education background. Okay. Wangari Madai carried high, ex uh, high ex experiments and had high, much of her high experience came with working with women in the rural village. Yeah. She told them the way you can plant a crop, water it, tree. harvest it, so do the same thing with a tree. Dig a hole, put the seedling there. So her job, Wangari Madai's job was what? To look for the seedlings. Give the women, and then try to plant. motivate them to build seedling beds, and things changed. Foresters okay. without diploma, without diplomas, yeah, that's a good chapter. So is it a book or? No, it's part. It's a chapter in Wangari Madai's book and book. Okay. And Bob, oh, yeah, Bob, in, yeah. the, in that chapter. Okay. Yes, yes, I'll yes, check yes. it out. Yeah. So now, as we finish, mm -hmm. how do you think we can handle the drought in Kenya, which is actually really frustrating Kenyans right now? We need to go back on the drawing table. Mm -hmm. So how come we have drought when, you know, one of the things I heard someone saying, and it was an interesting thought, mm -hmm. how can we have drought when we have a whole sea? <laughs> we have a lot of water and there are people who don't have, like, money, I mean, water to plant trees and stuff like that. How is it possible? You know, that kind of thinking. I understand. I understand. From, you understand? I understand from his perspective. That's yeah. a good question. It, 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 might look, it, it, it might look like a funny question, mm -hmm. but... This is a person who's thinking. Yeah, it's a He's person wondering why, why, why can't this be done? Why, like that? Mm. But what, 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 what I'd like to say, number one, we need to rethink the way we approach our resources, what we call common resources in this country. Yeah, land, water. You see. Uh huh. And like right now, we are we are gearing towards privatization of water. Why does water have to be privatized? Why are they privatizing water? They're saying that uh, <laughs> the private sector has a major role to play in increasing the water supply in Kenya. What? Because now, you know, the challenges we are facing with water supply. Yeah. <coughs> um, if you look at, for example, this county where we are living in. Yeah. Kajado County. Yeah. We have this water that comes from, there's a water in Loitoktok that comes fresh from Kilimanjaro. Or Loitoktok. Yes. Uh-huh. But that water pipeline is not even used in, 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 in our areas, Rongai and Kitengela being the major urban centers. Okay. For whatever reason it's used, I don't know. And why the government has never ensured that even the residents of the whole Kajiado County access that water, I don't know why. Because if you go into the deep rural parts of Kajiado, mm -hmm. even upper, where the Ma community lives, yeah. they struggle to access, to access water. And I lived yeah. with them for one year, and I myself could testify to the fact that accessing water was a problem. Mm. 
you know if water if we treated water uh, as a as a, as a common resource we'll treat it better everyone would have the incentive of maintaining our water catchment areas this ile ile mtu iko hapa ilikauka si ndio the one here by masai lodge yeah, yeah, yeah. why does it have to be like that <laughs> because no one is incentivized to take care of, of, of such resources because you're like I, i have to pay for water anyway mm. but if you understood <clears throat> that this is where your lifeline was and you you're given to take care of it. exactly ah. so we need to democratize our common resources mm. we need to rethink how we approach resources such as water yeah you know look at look at nairobi nairobi is struggling with water and kitengela if people joke around the way they are drilling boreholes it's also going to be we are going to start we are, we are starting to see elements of dry boreholes yeah because of this over drilling but if we understood that this resource is a common resource for all and it benefits us all yeah we would even have even local committees at the county level and sub county level that are yeah. in charge of managing water catchment areas we would even have incentives to plant more trees yeah but we don't have that you see yeah yeah so that's a very good place to mm-hmm. call it a wrap you so you're yeah. saying we should go back to the drawing board we should go back to the drawing board and the rethink the whole rethink yeah. We think accessibility Somebody to our resources. Somebody needs to think somewhere. Yeah, and it comes down to policy. Yeah. Where we are talking, we need to rethink accessibility to land. Mm-hmm. We need to rethink accessibility to to water mm-hmm. and all the other common resources that we sit on in this country. Yeah. You see? For example, I say there's no reason why someone should have 22,000 acres of land with grass on it and someone's livestock is dying on the margins of the fence. Yeah. Where is the negotiation aspect? <laughs> And not everything has to be quantified in monetary value because if this person can sell this cow and it, the money goes back into our economy we all benefit. Yeah, we're going to all benefit. But you see in our country it's about uh, individuality. And that yeah. is I could say the worst thing the, the worst thing that we ever embraced after colonialism we took that individuality from the colonialists. Yeah? See, I think it's driven also by the capitalism that we got from the western. Exactly. Countries. When when they told us you could have a title deed and own a piece of land you start thinking about yourself yourself you forgot the community you forgot the community so your community could be on the side their cattle are dying but you you have 22000 acres yeah. for what even one acre is even difficult to, to deal with <laughs> so we need to rethink some of these things we need to democratize our resources we need to have a democratic space where all Kenyans can contribute to the dialogue regardless of whether they are rich or poor mm-hmm. can contribute to a dialogue that speaks about the management of our environment and our environmental resources. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a real democracy. Amazing. So democracy is not about voting and politics. That's it's also about democracy. how we govern our environment. Yeah, and yeah. I agree with you yeah. in totality. Mm-hmm. So now as we finish, yes. um what's your what is your parting shot to the listeners and the viewers? Um as I would say to all the viewers, um particularly if you're Kenyan or you're African. Let us continue let let us continue that customary way that we've always had of taking care of one another yeah. of being sociable we live at a time where people are struggling to even put food on the table people are struggling to access basic uh, amenities tukue mm. wakarimu to other people mm. you see uh, if you're a student and you see your fellow colleague struggling be there for them yeah. and even you if people are there for you be there for others it's about reciprocity reciprocity you nakula alafu you run away so let's learn to reciprocate in our society mm-hmm. and let us now try to be more social and stop thinking about ourselves as individuals yeah. you live a more fulfilling life that way. i think that is the philosophy of ubuntu that i am because we are yeah and we should also embrace it like uh, dr munene is saying so as we wrap up we just wanted to say a big thank you for staying this whole Uh, episode with us 
the great thing that I've learned today is that climate change is here to stay and I think you've also learned even though you are doing your coding person you are doing what <laughs> you you also need to start thinking about the climate change if you're a makeup artist you also need to start thinking of the climate change maybe the sun will be too much your makeup will be i don't know but start thinking about the uh, uh, the climate change exactly. so i want to say a big thank you to you dr mugambi for showing up thank and you coming for hosting me yeah so um please uh, let us know what you think in the comment section of the spotify uh, app let us know what you feel follow us on instagram um by the way can people get you again I'd say LinkedIn. LinkedIn. You can find me at Munene Mutuma Mugambi. If you just look on LinkedIn, you'll see me there. The big smile on my face. Dr. Munene Mugambi. Yeah, so yeah. just find me. I'm always open to sharing conversations, dialogues. Yeah. You know, titles are titles, but I believe that everyone has a valid opinion. Yeah. Everyone has a everyone's thoughts are valid. Like yeah, yeah, Lupita yeah. said dreams, dreams are, valid. are valid. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so your dreams are valid, so yeah. let's call it a wrap. See you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Melvin.